Well, welcome back to episode 42 of the Squishy Sandwich. I am your host, Renee Vincent. And for this episode, I sat down with one of my favorite people on the West Coast, my cousin, Jackie, who happens to be a licensed clinical social worker. And so I sat down with her to ask her some questions about how life has been for her now as a stay-at-home worker slash stay-at-home mom slash stay-at-home teacher slash stay at home pretty much everything like most of us so she's going to give us some genuine insight on how she's been dealing with the current circumstances so if you're a parent this is definitely an episode for you some bitches do this bitch won't get up in my squishy sandwich without a quote ain't no need to flex you ain't even in my zone you be trying to go we already on the road don't kiss no toes i be sitting on my throne don't multitask you already on hold no one to fold as our guest, however you want to introduce yourself, and then we'll just go from that. Hi, everyone. My name is Amia Jacqueline Varela, and I am Renee's cousin. First and foremost, we're family. Uh, professionally, I'm a licensed clinical social worker in the state of California. Currently, I hold the position of psychiatric social worker for the Los Angeles Unified School District. And I'm super excited to be on here just to share a little bit of information, what it's like to be um working from home and and as a mother so playing multiple roles yeah definitely well i'm really glad you came on uh i know we caught caught up a little bit the other day and we're kind of explaining everything that you are doing and you are a mom you're a wife uh you're like a therapist and you just you're doing a lot and now you're doing it all over zoom and you're a teacher now because your daughter's (laughs) being virtually yes added (laughs) on more roles than before it's It's been a very unique experience more than anything. Um, but in, in this process of, of it becoming an adjustment period, I think I have also found these moments of uh, solitude. Somehow I found moments of solitude and I've been able to reflect on my life and on goals and on things I want for myself and how to make things better for myself and my family. So it's been a very unique and important journey for me. I think that's an important point. Uh, How do you find, as obviously a busy mom inside your home, how do you find those moments of solitude and quiet to kind of have people (laughs) do that? Well, one, um, I'm sure that many moms and dads out there might find the restroom the most moment. (laughs) But, you know, you use that opportunity, honestly, like aside from what you would go to the restroom for, as odd as it may be, you find moments of just catching your breath or you go outside and Go for a walk because I think um, just because you are working from home the whole day, it's so important that you go outside, get some sunlight, and just remind yourself that you're a person that needs, that has your own personal needs. It's not about just being at home and trying to juggle the the multitude of um, your own work and, you know, parenting, but I think really making it a point and a task For me, it's a daily task of what is it today that I want for myself? So uh, an example that I've come up with is I'm a part of a book club, an amazing group of women, friends, and we get together once a week virtually on Zoom. And it's our time. It's our time to connect, talk about our book and just socialize. So aside from like book clubs, I'm joining, um, what is it, Uh, virtual classes so getting, feeding my mind. So just not on like professional topics, 
but on things of my interest. Like uh, recently I took a sleep class. I took, you know, learning about the sleep process, uh, learning how to get better sleep. I took another uh, class on mindfulness and that's been amazing because it's something that that's very important for me that I practice daily and incorporating it more. Yeah. Mindfulness is probably like one of the biggest things that I've taken away from therapy. And it's like a double-edged sword because like if for an example, like for me driving, uh, before mindfulness, like I'd be pissed off if somebody cut me off and I wouldn't care when I would cut somebody off. But, <laughs> but now with mindfulness, when somebody cuts me off, I'm like, all right, when was one time that you were in a hurry for an actual emergency that you actually cut somebody off? Is this person having an emergency? Maybe. Yes. Do I need to get mad? No. Calm the <laughs> fuck down, Renee. <laughs> it's not a big deal, but you know, yeah. sometimes we, we let those moments get to us. We, we, I think we've all been there, there where we, um, you know, kind of let that moment get the best of us. But I think yeah. uh, learning for me personally to take a step back and uh, being present with myself. So every morning, like I have a mantra, I wake up and I really uh, make it a point to tell myself, like, I woke up, you know, and I'm thankful for being up. What am I going to do today for myself? Um, it's been very important um, in my, in my, what is it, balancing home life and uh, work, uh, especially, you know, since uh, March, I've been working from home since March 13th. So it's, um, it's been quite, like I said, a journey. And um, I think more than anything, it's been very reflective for me. And if anything, I feel more connected, more united to my family, especially being able to see my daughter each and every day, like these moments that I think I would miss out, you know, where yeah as a parent that would go out to work every day, I'm able to see these moments where I would not have otherwise been able to see it. So I think honestly, for me, it's been a complete blessing in disguise. In the midst of it all, it's been a challenging, but I can see the benefits of it too. Okay. Uh, how's it been working uh, and having your daughter like right next to you going to school? Like, uh, does she get distracted easily? Does she, <laughs> like, how do you manage that? <laughs> Well, it's like I said, it's pretty difficult just because she is, she's five years old and she skipped a grade. And so she's a first grader now. Um, so that in itself, it's like, we're super proud of her, but we also see the need of, um, you know, she still needs some, some help. You know, she now learns, has learned how to log on to zoom and navigate her classes. We have timers and like alarm plots for her to know when she needs to be on zoom because, uh, my husband's a teacher and well, I'm a psychiatric social worker for the district. So we both are on, we can say live with students at, uh, during different point in times during the day. And there are times where she needs to be on for her class when we're both busy. So we created a system where she knows it's time to get on. She logs on. She's a, an amazing kid, like completely amazing because she's become so much more independent. She's always been an independent child. But I feel that um, this, this um, period has been a growth uh, opportunity for her where she's really been able to shine and show us that she can do certain things on her own. Now, are there moments where she needs help? Yes. And this is a thing. I I'm always make a disclaimer when I'm in a meeting, whether it's with um, other working professionals, teachers or principals, admin, whatever it may be. 
I make a disclaimer that I'm at home and therefore um, my child, my daughter comes first. So if she comes knocking on my door um, throughout the day or she needs something, I'm going to attend to her immediately. I'm going to say, excuse me, and turn my camera off or whatever it may be. And I turn to her because I think that's very important. I never want my daughter to think that I'm being dismissive of her because she's first. Right. Right. And you definitely don't want to create that environment at home where they're not important. Yes. Yes. They want to, yeah, (laughs) they can't understand. Yes. And luckily I've been fortunate enough where um, everyone in meetings, they've been very understanding. And I know that not everyone may have that opportunity, you know, that same response. But I think it's important that as parents, we we kind of um, speak to our children openly, like what our schedule is going to be like that day. And even creating like a set schedule for your children, you know, that maybe they already have a set schedule through school. Or you can create your own schedule with them, but kind of letting them know these are the times I'm on Zoom. and. My daughter at least has a very good understanding of mommy's going to be in a very important meeting for the next hour, giving her her own tasks, whether it's a school task or a play task, giving her some options for her to do something during that time has been a complete game changer. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. I've seen, because during my daytime job, like I've been in meetings where now parents, their kids just randomly come in and everybody, it's, it's understandable. Like there's not... I think for us single people, like we get it. I almost like feel really bad for like parents that have multiple kids um, and they have to deal with this. Um, I just have my dog and I just, every time she likes clacks her little, uh, what do you call her nails on the floor? I'm like, get out free or go lay down. Um, But I can't, yeah, having a child, I just, it's, yeah, it's a big thing y'all are doing as moms and single parents or parents just in general. Yes, it is because it's like not only maybe might uh, get, you know, your child's interruption coming in, you know, but it's also just basic needs that sometimes mom, you know, it's my second snack time. So it's like also being mindful of that during during my day and um, scheduling certain breaks throughout my day to make sure that I attend to her, her meals. And then that kind of leads me into like my cooking too. It's like my cooking with my, uh, with my husband, you know, we, we turn cake and we're very, very like collaborative and everything. And so we take turns um, on who's going to cook that day or like who's going to do what task for our has your, team effort. <laughs> has your cooking schedule changed? Are you doing more, are you doing more pre? <laughs> um, yes, that's so funny that you brought up. Yeah, my cooking schedule, I think, definitely has changed. I'll, um, I'll cook at night sometimes for the next day. I'll get the, the crock pot out and like throw things in there, you know, come up with a new recipe and just throw different uh, ingredients in there and it's ready for the next day. It's amazing. Um, Yeah. So definitely, I think I've gotten more creative with what I cook and uh, when I cook and learning that it's okay. It's okay if I'm making breakfast at night for the next day or making my lunch or dinner at night for the next day. Um, some days it is easier to cook early in the morning. It just depends on my work schedule for that day. Um, but I'm definitely being um, open and understanding of myself that it is a, a change, a change, you know, throughout these months and um, being okay with that. <laughs> 
So obviously you have the incredible benefit of having a psychiatric background um, in this process. Have you, what are the, what are other moms saying that don't have the benefit of that educational background? Like what are the stresses that you've heard uh, from other moms? Uh, one of the biggest ones I think is um, sometimes just the lack of uh, resources, like functioning internet, let's say just basic things where, oh, my internet is lacking or um, I don't know how to help my child uh, with their homework on Zoom. Um, I think it's a, it's a common theme for parents uh, to feel frustrated because I myself um, have felt frustrated, um, not at my daughter or anything, but I think it's more at uh, the system that we're in. Um, having to learn different platforms and uh, how to navigate these platforms. I'm, I, I speak English very well, and I'm able to navigate um, technology. Still learning at times. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say I have these advantages. So when I hear parents, um, I'm, I'm attuning to what they're saying uh, and recognizing it and giving them that support. Um, and options saying, have you reached out to the school? Um, have you reached out, you know, checking in with the teacher? Um, you, know, you know, especially when the, the parent doesn't know how to help their child with homework, you know, just turning back to, to the teacher for a bit more support. Most teachers offer some variation of office hours. You're living in California, which is predominantly, yes. sorry, sorry, y'all, yes. predominantly uh, Hispanic and yes. So yeah, I didn't think about there are language barriers, language barriers, and there are kids yes. who are d doing Zoom presentate or going to Zoom classes with parents that don't speak English. Yes, yes, and at least at my school site, I'm able to offer parent workshops, um, and these workshops are comprised of um, how to help your child navigate. Um, distance learning, distance learning. Um, I'm going to hold another one this month for parents on uh, cyberbullying because this month, October, is uh, Bullying Prevention Awareness Month. Mm. So I, I try to connect um, different themes um, each month depending on what theme is recognized, uh, either nationally or worldwide, and incorporate that back into parent workshops and open student drop-in uh, groups and um, kind of using that information for parents to feel supported. Um, so more than anything going back, it's uh, I've heard a lot of frustration and just parents need validation and knowing that they're not the only ones out there experiencing this. It's um, All of us are going through this process together and teaching parents the skills and the tools needed to get through this um, coming together. So I think that's been very important, making it parents aware that they're not the only ones and that they can reach out and ask for help. You know, yeah. neighbors or their comadres, compadres are out there, you know, going through the same, the same experience. Um, and sometimes we don't know how to ask for help, but it's important. What's, have you seen an increase in cyberbullying or... Or like, I don't know, like, how are kids responding to this in like this group setting? Like they used to make uh, fun of each other in person. How are they doing it now? You know what? Social media. I think, you know, many, many kids. And I mean, I, I work at an elementary level where that's a TK, transitional kindergarten through sixth grade at my mm -hmm. specifically. And I see 
young children, unfortunately, like already on social media. And um, that's something that um, is a personal parent decision, whether or not you allow your child on certain social media platforms. Um, I get the question asked from parents often, oh, should I get my child a cell phone? Should I allow them to be on social media? And I always turn it back to them and have them reflect on the level of maturity, level of responsibility the child already has. Um, and more than anything, teaching them that they have to be prepared for what may come out of it. Because you know, you, you never know with social media, there may be predators out there, there may be other students, you know, that are picking up and like making up things about the child. So making them aware, um, pretty much providing them with psychoeducation information on um, the possibilities that exist, but always reminding the parent that or caregiver that it's their personal decision whether or not they allow their children on these platforms. And now there are families that may not be aware that um, the children are on these platforms. And then once you find out perhaps there is some form of cyberbullying, and by that, like, again, it's rumors sometimes, or just, uh, you know, like um, picking on the other student via chat. Um, so it's something that I'm also providing education for teachers uh, to be aware during their Zoom meetings. Like, if you notice anything odd in the chat box, or if students are, you know, asking for help to really be present and ready to support students. Um, I think this, uh, when we talked earlier, this uh, something that came to mind, is I, I feel bad for the children that, you know, lived, you know, for me, I, I didn't particularly live in a super abusive household, but I didn't, to me, school was my escape from my father. And so I, right now, children that are living in an abusive home and going to school in an abusive environment, um, like it must be extremely difficult for them. Like, how are they learning? How are they coping with this? Yes, yes. And, you know, Renee, that's a very important point that you bring up because statistically right now, um, the, there has been a significant increase in uh, child abuse cases. Um, and uh, it's, it's very unfortunate because um, you would think that it, the home should be, right, a, a safe haven for for children, but for many, many families, uh, for many kids, that's not the case. Um, so again, it, it, it uh, falls back on uh, educating our children that um, there is help out there, you know, and um, different uh, school districts, uh, different agencies out there do provide uh, help. Uh, check-ins. And um, one of my uh, tasks at, at my school site is to uh, kind of monitor the well-being uh, of students. And that's difficult. I'm at a school that has almost 800 students. And um, there's only one of my position. But fortunately, I work in, cal in uh, collaboration with other uh, professionals, uh, psychologists, and um, foster care, specialized foster care counselors. Um, and so together with administration, we come up with ways to streamline um, resources and, and check-ins for students. And something else that I recently started are, it's called uh, Mindfulness Mondays, where I, um, I check in with the whole school via a video. And what I've 
I, I've, I've gotten creative. You can say I'm getting in touch with my creative <laughs> with these videos because in the video, I uh, talk about uh, mindfulness, what it is. I talk about current events because I feel that current events affects uh, students' mental health as well. Even if we may think that elementary students don't fully understand what's going on in our world, they have easy access to technology and to uh, TV. So of course they're going to hear um, what's going on in our world. So I tie it back to mental health and I also incorporate um, a mindfulness exercise that we can do together. And I always provide them with the list of resources at the very end of uh, important phone numbers, whether it's um, uh, the suicide prevention hotline or um, my own uh, office hours and email address and uh, other alternative resources so that they know that there is help out there. Wow. Oh, that's great. Well, what sort of mindfulness exercise do you provide for them? Well, I do different ones, but I think uh, for elementary age children, I do a lot of deep breathing exercises. Um, I actually work sometimes out of, I'll show you, and I'll tell you about it. It's um, a simple little book called Breathe Like a Bear, and I do different exercises in here, and they're, they're super fun. Um, they, they're separated into different categories, like um, how you wake up the morning, um, kindness, um, and just very basic uh, deep breathing exercises that kids can understand and also teaching them uh, that every moment is a perfect moment to really be present because we can easily get distracted. Even as adults, it's very easy for us to get distracted with, let's say, the, the noise that we hear outside with cars or, you know, the honking or what if uh, for a kid, your parent is uh, cooking um, and you're trying to focus? I think I remind them that there are distractions around us, but there's always an opportunity for us to just take a deep breath and really focus in on the, that moment and allow that moment to be for you. It reminds me a little bit of the way you describe that of like it's yoga nature. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's basically when you lay down. For those of you who don't know, you lay down comfortably and then you acknowledge all the external noises like outside of your home, you acknowledge the noise in your home, and then you acknowledge your body, and then you kind of kind of go inward breathing as you're doing this. Um, yeah, I could see that being useful like in between classes or as you're getting your morning started. Uh, that's something I do like to break up my day. Like after work, like I'll take 15 minutes, I just lay on the bed and I just like sit in quiet um, so that I don't carry the rest of my work day into my workout or into whatever else I'm doing the rest of the day. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I think that's, uh, like you said, it's kind of like, um, like a transitional break I think, yeah. from one point to another. And I think it's important for us to, to utilize those moments. And maybe we don't know how, or maybe it's uncomfortable, but I think learning whatever may work for, for an individual is very important to, to make your day better and to make, um, uh, to bring more peace to your inner self and just to those around you as well. Definitely. Uh, how have teachers responded to that? I know a couple of teachers, a few that were afraid to even start teaching again, some that were, aren't, weren't as tech savvy and they were being frustrated, they were frustrated with the whole process. Like what's the response been that you've seen on your end? Um, honestly, I just, I truly admire like all the teachers that I, I work with. Um, I, I, I see firsthand 
how much they genuinely are investing in 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 um, their children and their students and um, they 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 learn like how we're learning from one day to another to really navigate all these platforms and um, it's been difficult for them you know and I also check in with teachers and provide um, um, meetings for them to to kind of vent you know because it is difficult for them and I think uh, if I if I put my working my, my mom my mom hat on um, I can see sometimes how some parents are are struggling and they may think oh but you know, my child isn't getting the same amount of, of learning time or, um, you know, they're not getting the same kind of education. But we also have to take a step back and realize that teachers also are doing the same thing as we're doing at home. You know, they're um, they're at home with their children, perhaps, or with their families. They're, they're maybe they have parent older parents living with them. And so we don't know the situation um, of what's going on in teachers home. But I think as a parent, we need to take the time and be reflective of that and give them the, you know, be, be very appreciative of the fact that they're doing so much. So specifically with the teachers that I work with, they're, you know, amazing and they have expressed challenges in learning um, different, like I said, different platforms, the technology part of it, and um, just creating interactive uh, learning tools so that students can absorb information. And yeah, my hat's off to all teachers out there and parents. How have the arts programs like adapted to this new technology or new platform of learning? Um, so I think there have been a lot of cutbacks on certain um, arts and music. Uh, but some schools are able to have art and music still and PE for um, their schools. And it's minimal. It's probably about an hour a week of, of, of each, if not just one. Um, uh, but um, kids miss that. And that's very important that even if kids don't have physical education class every day, that um, parents, that we as parents kind of incorporate that into our daily schedule because kids need playtime. They need that energy that, you know, just going outside and running around. And it's, it's difficult for children because, you know, if you think about it, recess or PE, those are times where they uh, can enhance their social skills and they can, um, you know, connect with their friends and they don't have that. So it, it, um, we really see like a loss there. And uh, so incorporating art and PE and these electives, I think will remind them that there is a sense of um, this unity with them and that they can find that fun part of also the academics. Not to say that, you know, um, the, the core academics aren't uh, fun, but for some students, let's face it, they miss art and PE. Those are probably their favorite subjects. So yeah. I think it's very important that even if students don't have it consistently with the school, that at least at home, if there's a way to incorporate that, you know, giving access to like paper and construction paper or a coloring page, crayons, markers, uh, recyclables. I mean, 
I, I've, I've gotten creative with my daughter. She loves like um, making different art projects. So she has me recycle um, the paper towels, the, the rolls, you know, the, the brown rolls that they come in or the yeah. toilet paper rolls, the little brown part, you know, and she just gets creative, giving her aluminum foil. So just giving <laughs> and children that opportunity uh, to not lose their interests. Yeah, I, I know um, when I walk throughout my day, I see, I think some neighbors, what they've done is they let like take turns with parents, taking the boys out to fish. Then uh, we have like a man-made lake. Um, I haven't seen so much of the girls, but I think that would be a good idea for parents to like take turns, taking a certain group of kids, if they're neighbors and go to the same class or at school. Yeah. And just go out, let them run. Those are great <laughs> ideas. Yeah, our, those are great. Our, our playgrounds are still <laughs> shut down for some reason. Yeah. I, I don't think they should be, but at least let them yeah. get out, do something. Yeah, it's so important. I mean, it, it's, it's important for, you know, for the, the children, but it's also important for parents too, you know, to, to have that in their home. Yeah, yeah. So how has this affected you, I guess, as a wife and as a couple? Like, how has it affected, I guess, date nights? I know you and Eric probably would yes. go out a lot, right, on a regular Yeah, basis. like, we would make it a point to have at least one or two date nights per month. Um, it, we're creative now, I think. Um, ordering food in, um, we, we haven't physically gone out, you know, like, um, for an actual date. Um, but we're also being understanding of the situation that we're currently facing with pandemic. Um, if anything, I think it's uh, helped us uh, have more conversations um, and appreciate our time with watching movies at home, uh, Netflix or Disney Plus, um, but still incorporating that husband and wife uh, relationship um, let's say utilizing that time when let's say my, our daughter goes to sleep, you know, we stay up, especially on the weekends and, and talk and enjoy a good movie. I think it's very important for, for the, the couple to understand that there are changes throughout this pandemic, um, but not allow it to, to hinder the kind of relationship that you are developing. Um, and just, learn that there are creative ways of bringing um the the missing pieces what you did what you don't have anymore you know the loss of going out or um going to a restaurant going to a movie how can you bring that back into the home somehow or you know going out for walks together um and also asking like let's say my mother-in-law and my mom are amazing amazing uh help to, to both of us. And so every now and then, you know, my mother-in-law comes over and she'll hang out with our daughter and we'll take a walk. Um, so I think it's very important that we also turn to our support system because if you have a support system, I think it'll make everything much, much easier. Are restaurants open there already or are, stuff, are businesses starting to open there? Yes, so restaurants are now uh, open, but only outdoors for outdoor okay. Um, and of course, there's still uh, restrictions on the number of people and keeping the, the six feet, the social distancing. Uh, but yes, little by little, restaurants have been opening just outdoor seating. Yeah, so for us, it's 50% capacity indoors and then outdoors as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but I went last week for the first time uh, with a friend of mine. Is, and 
it's so quiet in the restaurant now that it's like not that me and her have a problem talking but if you're a couple that like sits there and has trouble <laughs> figuring out what to say man like you can hear like everything <laughs> because it's so quiet in there and then we went to like one of the bars we used to go to and i guess again most of their seating was out in the parking lot and we got a table indoors but it used to be such a lively bar and now it's just like there's no distractions. It's just you and the person talking. There's uh, <laughs> a karaoke bar, which isn't karaoke anymore. Um, oh, but, wow. That's uh, fun and interesting then. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a picture of the empty stage. Uh, it's just <laughs> the atmosphere of restaurants has changed so much now. It's just um, it's quiet and it's yeah. not, you don't get that energy anymore that you used to, unless you're doing like outdoor seating with people. Yeah, I'm sure it's um I'm I'm sure it's um it's like you you might sit there and wonder like when or you know when or if anything will ever go back to how it used to be. And for now I think we're all learning that this is our new normal, right? Like, you know, going outdoor dining or limited capacity in your state indoor dining. I think we're all getting accustomed to this new normal. I, even though it's only been like a short period that students have really been affected by this, do you think that long term, like this has somehow affected their ability to have social skills or uh, their their behavior in any way? Do you think it has altered it? Yes, yes, uh, definitely, definitely, yes. Um, I say that because I see it with uh, children in, uh, when I'm providing counseling. And the main reason I'm usually right now providing counseling is for adjustment problems. And that's uh, adjusting to the current situation of uh, loss of friendships. You know, many students uh, don't have the same relationship with their friends or they've lost friends. Um, many have grieved, let's say, their seniors. You know, last year's seniors didn't get a chance to have prom, didn't get a chance to ask actually walk on stage and graduate. Um, so I think there's a lot of loss um, and it does impact their ability to enhance their social relationships because it's not the same to see your friends via Zoom as it would be in person. So I think it has definitely impacted their mental health. And I think, you know, uh, I spoke a little bit about um, how, um, child abuse uh, cases have increased too. So then we also have a lot of trauma that's uh, happening with our students and um, how we respond to it, I think, takes a great effect. Sometimes um, people may not know how to respond to children's mental health needs. So question, what are some behaviors that parents should be mindful of uh, that may be reminiscent of maybe like early depression or something now that they're dealing with this process? Um, one big one I would say is uh, isolation. Um, kind of not, um, kind of isolating, being on their own, students uh, not wanting to really engage in either uh, family interactions or um, even with friends. So kind of like, um, uh, and also being mindful of the developmental phase that the child is in, because I mean, if they're a teenager, let's say that's more than likely very typical. Some, you know, some teenagers don't really uh, have that kind of relationship anymore where they feel their friends come first um, and maybe they may isolate themselves from family. So that's kind of typical. So uh, understanding um, 
the phase that the child is in with their age, uh, but social isolation where they don't want to um, engage in any activities with their family or friends. Um, uh, if a child starts to withdraw completely from things that they used to like. So example, if they used to love drawing, um, engaging in art, singing, or um, things of that nature, if they're no longer engaging in those activities, I think we want to pay attention to it and do check-ins with them. Um, I think if you, if you notice um, a significant uh, change in their mood, you know, are they, were they like once a very happy or engaging kid and now you see this quiet and kind of sad, again, withdrawn kid, uh, you want to pay attention to that. You want to pay attention to um, behaviors that say um, the child is engaging in something that they weren't doing before. Um, if it's uh, something where maybe they're becoming a little more like physically aggressive or um, more verbally aggressive. That's something to pay attention to. That's good. That's good. Um, this one may be like the same, but not, I don't know. Uh, for behaviors on Zoom, like what would be a teacher, what would stand out that a teacher should be like, okay, that doesn't look right, or this child doesn't look like something's going on? Like what would be a behavior that they would, should definitely like call out on or they should take note of? Um, uh, like I'll give an example of, uh, last year, there was a student that, um, uh, wrote in the chat box, uh, something that was concerning to a teacher, something in the nature of, um, I'm scared, uh, or, um, so a child can either, uh, directly verbally say it to, to a teacher or, uh, the adult via chat box. Um, so any verbal statement that, uh, the teacher would see us kind of uh, odd or just different. You know, as a teacher, I'm sure that the, they know the the personality or how their student engages in the class. So if they, they notice anything, whether it's more quiet, quieter than usual, or, um, or they verbally state that something's going on. I think a, a check-in is warranted at that point. Um, and let's say, the, the, the teacher doesn't know how to do that um, at the school site. Um, in this case, it, they would turn to me or to school psychologist to ask for, for that extra support. And then we would um, call that student, check in via Zoom or whatever platform we use to, to make sure that the kid is okay. Cool. And so you recently started your, you launched like an Instagram account, or not recently, I think this earlier this year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I did. I did. And so um, I, I don't know if I mentioned to you in our conversations before, but uh, this is something that had been in the back of my mind to do. Um, I, I really, really value uh, mental health and well being and, um, uh, becoming an advocate for yourself and for others. And so it was an idea that had been in the back of my mind for a very long time now that I want to, to um, kind of create something where uh, people can just kind of drop in and, and see posts on, on well-being. And um, in March, I started playing with that, this idea when we went on distance learning and working from home. Um, I think 
that's where these ideas came. Like, no, I don't think I'm the only one experiencing uh, these changes and uh, how to navigate a uh, working mom and, and parent. And so I played with that idea for some time, but I never actually uh, did follow through with it, you can say. Uh, then um, a few months ago, uh, one of my best friends like reminded me, like, hey, how about you do what, you know, that idea that you had going on? I'm like, all right, uh, I'll do it. And so I think, you know, also my husband, he's been talking to me about it and like reminding me, like, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? And I'm like, ah, I don't know. So there was some hesitation and reservation there from my end. But then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start putting ideas out there and see what kind of response I get. And that's how my little social media Instagram uh, account came to life. And so and what's the name of it? It's uh, EJVLCSW. EJVLCSW on Instagram. That's basically building a community of uh, yes. self-advocacy and also community for people who are struggling with this transition. Yes, uh, yes. and just general mental health resources. Um, so I every morning, I kind of wake up and think about um, a topic, whatever comes into my mind that morning, and I write a brief quote. Um, I write some idea about it. And then um, my stories feed, I provide uh, relevant support and resources to to go in hand with what I wrote. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing that grow for you. Uh, <laughs> Thank maybe hold you. Like, maybe you'll hold a live workshop one day on your... Yeah, story. right? Yeah. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see what comes out of it. I definitely have um, ideas in mind and I, I look forward to learning more from other people's experiences and um, learning about myself through my self journey as well. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on and kind of dishing out your experiences uh, and definitely your perspective that you have, uh, which I think is beneficial to a lot of people at this time. Um, Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it.